This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hello everyone. Alright, we are back at it once again. Another stellar round of Rugby League camp, but we're seven rounds in and I'm not getting fatigued at all. No, me either. It's um seems like every week there's close games and big crowds. The big crowds is the one that's Yeah, I was shocked that, that Bulldogs uh, Eels game was a sellout. People but... people are craving the the action that only live footy can provide and they're craving it in all sorts of different Locales. I'm pretty sure that this weekend broke a record for most games with crowds over 20,000. Yeah, right. Something like that, which is really, really cool. People are packing out the suburban grounds. People are packing out the regional stadiums. Everyone's just having a great time. Even the Tigers had a good time this week. That's true. That, they, didn't, they didn't have a bad time. No. They didn't have a bad which time. Which we will hasten to add, not a bye joke. Not a bye joke. It's a joke about them not losing. That's right. And they should feel good about not We're losing. very strict on these things. We are. There's, there are rules. Um, and several Roosters players did not follow the rules on nice. Friday I wasn't, night. I wasn't sure where you were going with that one. I was like, um, how's he going to stick the landing here? But he did it. Just when we thought we were getting out of this game without a stupid Victor Radley sin bin in a game which featured other stupid sin bins, he, he came through. He really did. Like fan, fans of the sin bin were really just standing up and cheering. Yeah. They were like, I thought, didn't think we were going to see our boy out there today, but no. uh, the yellow card was brandished. <laughs> but yeah, Sharks 22, Roosters 12 uh, at Shark Park. Um a bit of a surprising result, but I thought that the Sharks were pretty good value for this in the end. Well, I think the issues that the Sharks have had through the first six weeks of the competition were all were all still present in this game. You know, they made a lot of errors. They particularly early in the count, there were a couple of times early in the match where they got penalties, full arm penalties to get them out of their own end, and yeah. then they would make an error on tackle one or tackle two. That happened enough times for it to feel like there was, you know, a real pattern or something like that. But in the second half, they really they really dug deep and they really found a little bit of grit that's probably been a little bit wanting for them through this first part of the year. And Nico Hines came up with some really big plays at some opportune moments. And I, I get the feeling that this could be a really important win for the Sharks in just sort of rebuilding yeah. their confidence a little bit and, and, and sort of rebuilding and getting back to a lot of the things that worked so well for them last year. I thought Matt Moylan had his best game of the season by a distance. I think even Did you? aside from the try, I think just he had so many important touches, especially late in sets out wide, which helped get them on the front foot. They they I think there was a few times in this game where they had like they were really on the back foot and then late in the tackle count they swung it wide and someone had a big carry for twenty or so meters to get them out of trouble. And I think he was a big facilitator of a lot of those. Talakai had a ton of meters as well. I mean, he he's never probably never going to hit the heights that we saw him hit at the start of last season again. But again, he was another who I think had one of their better games of the season. A lot of strong carries here. And yeah, I I know that people want to point to the well and did at halftime, especially point to the penalty count. But I mean, it wasn't really that was, in my opinion, that's not really what won them the game. I know, as you said, it got them out of trouble a little bit, but I, I mean, a lot of those were deliberate penalties by the Roosters as well. So I, 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 I just thought, think I they, thought, I don't know if they were deliberate. I thought that di- I thought the Roosters' discipline was quite was mm. quite poor in bailing the Sharks out of their own end repeatedly in that first half. And the first half is when I felt like the Roosters were having the better of the game as long as they didn't just give the Sharks a saloon passage up up their own end. And that's kind of what ended up happening. I love that we settled on the only um, size a passage can be in rugby league parlance is saloon-sized. There's no other passage. That Mate, wh- why would you want another kind of passage? Sure. Saloon is a fantastic it word. Is. The swinging doors. Oh, man, take me back. Why, don't, why doesn't anyone we know that has a house, because we, we, are, we are 
just humble men who live in apartments. Why doesn't anyone know that as a house had those swinging saloon doors? That's a great question. I'm going to inquire as homeowners, to all the all who homeowners are friends with out us? there. Yeah. Sort it out. Can, can, you, can you imagine what it would be like if you had saloon doors in your I house? I would never stop walking through it. My life would be incredible. You'd just pretend you were it a would, Red Dead Redemption it, character. It would finally be worth living. Yeah. Um, yeah, back to this game. Yeah, the, 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 it, was, it was a bizarre showing from the Roosters who I think... Yeah, th- this was kind of vintage sort of like bad Roosters in a lot of ways where like some very needless errors like there was that one where Brandon Smith just threw the ball three meters forward from a pass which um you know he's he has been in the in the close games that they've won this year like very important I mean the, I think he was probably close to their best player in that in that winning against South but I thought he was really poor in this game he it thought, was it was with Brandon Smith I thought I thought they'd finally nailed the best way to use him in that first half because I thought mm. he was quite strong in that first stint he scored that very tough try, which is a try that I don't think a lot of dummy halves no. could have scored. And I was really impressed with that first stint and sort of the attacking thrust that he gave him up the middle of the field. And then he came off for a breather and Drew Hutch played a bit of hooker. And it was very clearly just to get, yeah. just to give Smith a spell. Yeah. And then he comes on and closes the game out. But then he came back on and he was really, really poor. And I'm someone who's a really big fan of his. Mm. And I still think he'll end up being a really good signing for the Roosters. But there were three bad errors. There was that pass that you talked about. There was... um. A really bad effort down the blind side on um, on Nico Hines when Hines ended up making the break that led to the Blake Braley try, and then there was um, the sin bin as well, which was just sort of a that was sort of a tackle that to me came from a place of fatigue and frustration. Absolutely, um, and you know they just they needed more from him. They needed more from him after after they needed more given the position the team was in, and it was clear that he had plenty to give after how well he did in that first stint. So yeah, I was actually quite disappointed. Yeah. In, in Brandon Smith in this one. I know Roosters fans have been concerned about their edge defence a little bit this year. I know a lot of them aren't enamoured with the combination of the Butcher brothers uh, as their two back rowers. And I, I dare say with Angus Crichton getting through 80 minutes in New South Cup, that won't be the case uh, for very much longer. But again, the, the, yeah, they were this gashed out wide. I mean, Teague Wilton had that massive chance to score where he just threw the ball to a Roosters player instead of a support player. And um, yeah, I thought that Braley try was just... I guess, emblematic of the Roosters' problems on the wings. I mean, they just completely cooked them down the right and then not content with cooking them once. They managed to cook them twice on the same play. I've got to be honest with you. I don't think the Roosters' defence was a big problem in this one because the mm. Sharks had enough ball to win 20 games, especially in that first But, half. I mean, that was still, what, a 65-minute try? Yeah, I know. But, I'm, but like, I'm, I'm saying the Sharks had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of opportunities to win mm. this game. It only ended up happening when the accumulative sort of wear and tear of all that possession finally added up on them. I don't think defence is the problem. For the Roosters, I think... I don't atta- think defense I think, overall is... I think, I think they I think, have I think, issues on the edges this year. No, but I think was... I think their attack's a bigger problem, especially inside the 20. Yeah. It's just... It's really, really sideways. Mm. No one's digging in the line. On Joe the rare Manu, occasions, I thought, had one of his worst games on the in, rare, in a while. Yeah, again, I don't think... He's, I think the problem's in the, in the spine, though. Mm. You know? And I don't... I really don't think that many people are digging into the line and really straightening up the attack. I think Kiri and Walker are playing really sideways. When they do straighten up like they did for the... Um, Oh, geez. Kiri put someone over. I don't even remember who it was. It was one of the butchers. Um, and that was one of the very few times that they played with a little bit of cohesion and they played with like a real sort of direct attitude to it. And like, to me, they just don't do that enough, mm. especially when they get close to the line. Sam Walker's still so young, but the discourse around him is quite strange because he came into the league in his rookie season and, and people were taken to it, taken with him instantly. But you're right. I mean, I think their attack is so reliant on their fullback and their centres rather than their, their halves at the moment. And they're the guys that kind of need to do a bit more. And I guess, I suppose, aren't really scrutinised to the extent that they would be if they are on other teams. Because I think that, especially in the Roosters' case, like, the general perception is that they're, everything they do that they do well 
in attack comes through Tedesco and it comes through Joey Manu and to a lesser extent Swali. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you think that they're just getting not a pass, but do you think they're just not as scrutinised as they might be at other teams just because of the talent they have elsewhere? Well, the talent they have elsewhere, the sort of the track record definitely helps, and because we all seem to have agreed that they are they are just slow starters and mm-hmm. they do take a while to work into a season, but. We're getting to the point now where we're not really at the start of the season anymore. You know, most of the clubs have played a quarter of their games. You know, and I'd I'd want to I'd want to start seeing I'd want to start seeing some of the good stuff before we really push into Origin and that throws everything on its head for a few weeks. Yeah. So I think these next few weeks are really important for the Roosters. I think we really need to see some of that some of that good stuff that we're all anticipating in the preseason because this now is two quite disappointing performances in a row from them. Two games where I expected a fair bit of them and and they weren't able to to deliver and injuries aren't really an excuse anymore because I think they've got all their guys back apart from Angus Crichton and he's all, he's I would imagine only a week or two away if he doesn't come back this week you know so the like I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not concerned mm. but I'm I want to see I'm starting I want to see more yeah I want to see those things I know are there you know yeah they're a weird team because you you see them fire up in some games and then the last two weeks they've really just laid an egg in attack mm. so I don't know uh who have they got this week. Um, Anzac Day, of course. So yeah. they've got a long time to bounce back. Long time to think about it, yeah. yeah. Um, on the Sharks, real quick, I want to wrap Britain, Britain Nakora. I think yeah. he's had a really good season. No, he uh, He's one of those back rowers who plays almost a little bit more like a centre. He mm. plays really, really wide and he hits a lot of holes, but I think he's playing a lot... A little bit closer in, and I think he's running Very a powerful yeah, try in the game as well. He's running, he's running, he's running with a little bit more power this year, which I think is really nice. And I think if there's an element for the Sharks' attack that can really improve, it's the way they attack off Blake Braley, and you could see that in that try that Nikora scored to sort of to seal the game. You know, yeah. they've got a lot of talented hole runners, the Sharks, and I think it's, I think you know, the, those hole runners obviously do well when they play off Moylan or they play off Hines. But they can play off Braley as well, you know, and I think that's something that I'd really like to see a lot more of because I think it'd be a really effective weapon for them. Um, and I've been reliably informed that the bathroom situation at Shark Park was so dire that uh, the, the the women commandeered the, one of the men's toilets because the lines were that bad. So that's feminism, good, baby. Good to know that the redevelopment of Shark Park is going great. I'm with, I'm with you, sisters. Take them down. Take down the patriarchy. Absolutely. At Brookvale. Um, not quite the Battle of Brookvale, but a very spicy affair. Yeah, hey, wasn't it? it yeah. Uh, Manly end up 18-8 winners in what can only be described as a, as a slobber knocker. Uh, maybe not a Battle of Brookvale, a skirmish yeah. of, Brook, of Brookvale? Mm. Maybe something like that? A fracker. A brouhaha. Mm. Fisticuffs. Mm, I don't know about that. Heavier than fisticuffs. Fisticuffs sounds like um, two rich Nancy boys. Right, we've all got derringers. <laughs> Put them away. Uh, but yeah... Uh, this was a very strange game. I, uh, this is a classic of the genre of this game sucks, but it's close and a lot of weird shits happening. So I'm you got to love it, yeah. And I did enjoy it. Manly confound me. They are a, a baffling bit. team. They are like every. Like, I don't think I've correctly tipped a game of theirs mm. this season. Like I think every week I've tipped them to win, they've lost. Every week I've tipped them to lose, they've won. Um, and they confounded me again in this one because they won this game through physicality and intensity and just by smashing Melbourne every time they could and pinning Melbourne down their own end and making them work it out of their own end again and again and again. And they basically just starved them. They starved them to death. And I didn't think Manly could do that just based on the football that they've played through the, through the first part of the season. But you know, it was just, it was hit season, bro. Like Ray Vega just running in, killing people. Fantastic. Where's he been hiding? Just, I want him out there shoulder charging everything that moves, bro. The preseason king, 
playing for the preseason powerhouse. Well, you got to love that. As, as I said on Friday, there's no player with more of a this guy's won three World Series of Poker bracelets name in the NRL than Ray Vega. What about Joey fucking Chan? Mm. Not, has he played in the NRL yet? Not yet. Yeah. So shut up. Well, what have the two of them faced? Yeah, Ray what, Vega the, what, went have the, what have the two of them faced off? One on one. For the World Series bracelet. I'd watch that. I but yeah, too. Ray Vega went all in a couple of times. Got it wrong once. Got it right also. Um, but yeah, he was feeling himself out there. I mean, he's a guy that's been... Because he's one of those classic dudes you see in the preseason every year. For like two or three or four years now at Manly. And mm. never really got to go in first grade for... I mean, they do have a lot of wingers, but also, I don't know why. But yeah, he was really feeling himself in this game. So happy for him to come out and have a, a pretty good showing. But Melbourne's attack. I mean, everyone that we know was excited about this reshuffle, putting Munster at fullback, putting Pezzet in the halves with Hughes. Didn't really work out the way that, that I think anyone would have hoped in this. I thought that their attack was really flat and really static and that they struggled to create anything. Well, to, to me, it was because their forwards got beat up. Mm. I just didn't think they could get anything going in the middle of the field. They really got worked in. This was one of the first games where I thought they really missed Osofa Solomona. Like, mm. he's made... For these sorts of games, these real sort of knock them down, drag them out, slugfests, and to me, they just didn't have a hard attacking, a hard you know attacking and defensive presence like that. Like Kamakamitha did his best, and I thought he played all right. Um, but yeah, to me, they just weren't able to cut it up the middle. And then you throw in some of the lapses of discipline they had, mm. which like to me again, they seemed to come from places of frustration. The Justin Olin one in particular, that shoulder charge, which was pretty mindless, but I think it was clear that he had the shits that he'd been knocked around a little bit. Yeah, which which, which you don't it, see. In fairness, has never happened to him. Like most pl- most players can't stop Justin Olin if they had a fucking baseball bat. Yeah, but Olukowatu like dropped that big shot on him. Like yeah. if you've never been hit like that, of course it's going to rattle you a little bit. Um, there was the Ethan Bullimore no try in the second half, which even though it wasn't a try, I thought that passage of play really summed up both teams' night. It was it was Melbourne trying to just clear it off an exit set. I think Munster, Munster dropped it, Hughes dropped it, mm. and they ended up nearly conceding a try because Manly were just racing up on them like a pack of starving dogs. And and Bullimore was up there putting putting all that all that pressure on, you know. So even though that try was disallowed, I thought that passage of play was really emblematic of the entire match. And yeah, and so I'm like good on Manly because I was a little bit worried for him after they got brutalized by Penrith like yeah. that. I said last week that that's the sort of loss that teams can find it really hard to come back from. So to not only come back from that, but to come back from that and play in this really hard-edged fashion against a side that's been really strong these past couple of weeks is, is to me, very, very impressive. Still have no idea what to make of Manly. No, no clue. No idea what they're going to do. This is the first time I think we've really seen Tommy Turbo throw the shackles off a little bit and actually and run up. We're still, still not at 100%. You reckon? I, I thought it was a bit overblown, people I, saying how good he was. I thought no, he was, I I was, was particularly I was, good. I thought he was all right, but no, I didn't think it was... I, I, a, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying, I'm not I don't saying know. he I was feel a superstar. Like I'm saying that he was... I'm saying that's the first time we've really seen him put the foot down a couple of times, like chasing through that Cherry Evans kick, for example. I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like everyone's waiting for the big Tommy Turbo comeback game so the second that like there's something that kind of looks like him approaching his best they all want to everyone wants to be first and everyone wants to say yeah this is it he's back like I thought he was solid enough in this game but I didn't think he was he was spectacular it was a really strong team performance and it, to me it was more it was more one through their forward pack who were much maligned over the last couple of weeks I thought that was much more impressive than yeah no again I, I don't think he, was like, he played player. he played his role I, I I haven't looked at the LM votes I wouldn't have him in my top three I'm just saying that I think he was he was running a bit harder than we've seen him run so far this year in my opinion but you disagree and that's sure okay. do that's right mm. alright uh, let's move embrace on embrace debate <laughs> um, uh, Saturday afternoon uh, the Cowboys troubles continue the Warriors feel good success story of the year continues 
Uh, Sean Johnson, again, fantastic. Tohu Harris back. Tohu Harris is back, man. <laughs> All right, so last week, oh, you guys would have heard me. I tipped the Cowboys because I just I couldn't handle it Can't if Tohu Harris was out again. Back. But I changed my tip. I changed my tip. Once Tohu Harris's inclusion was confirmed, I was mm. like, what am I doing? I can't turn my back on my boy. You can't. So I didn't. So mm. I tipped the Warriors because Tohu was back. That pass for Fanua Blake, that was really, really all the way cl- classy stuff. Really high level stuff. They are they are firmly in the top four. They're, they're second in wins. I, they get buys, they're second. So I know the Warriors, apart from the Sharks, I don't know if they've beaten that many really good sides. But I'm fighting every instinct I have not to go all in on them. I think I think they're I think they're pretty close to the real deal, man. I do. I know the Cowboys were bad in this game, and I know the Cowboys are a pretty bad team. But the way the Warriors were able to defend and defend and defend, despite making a lot of really bad errors, mm. despite putting themselves under pressure again and again, and, just, and I know the Cowboys again aren't the best attacking team in the world, but the Warriors sort of finding that grit, and whenever that they were able to turn the war- the Cowboys away, and and hang on to the ball a little bit, they moved up the field really easily, and they were able to strike really really quickly. You know, I, I, I don't know what it is, but there seems to be a real, there's a real sort of, there's a real calmness about the Warriors at the minute. There's a real sort of, a real sureness of what they want to do and how they want to do it. And even if they make errors or if they concede tries or if they fall behind, they never go away from that mission. They never lose sight of what they want to do and how they want to do it. And that's been true in a lot of games this year. It was true when they ran the Sharks down a couple of weeks ago. It was true last week when they tried to run the Knights down and, and ended up coming short. Mm. But yeah, there was a there was a guy, Warriors fans, great signs. Let's go on Warriors, a classic of the genre. There was another great one there on Saturday, mm. and it just said, "If I die, bury me in a Warriors jersey because I might just come back." Yep. And I think I that's that. the thing. This Warriors team, and I like that they just they just they, they just they're never they dead. They're out never like dead. The graphic of the score between the Sharks and great the Warriors, stuff. You gotta love that. And there's just a girl that had one that said, "Sean Johnson, 2023 Dali M winner." It's his Hashtag year. Let's go and was. I, I, no, was it was it up the was up the was? Yeah, I don't know if you heard. But it might be SJ's year. Might be his year. He um, was he was he was he was great again. Um, kicking game, uh, kicking game was, was phenomenal. Fantastic. And that's the thing, because like I mean, that was never the his his biggest strong suit when he was younger. Obviously, he was good at it, but his whole thing was his running game. But as he's gotten older and the running game has lessened, I mean, especially in this game, I think in this this season, really, his kicking game has been phenomenal. And yeah. they've they've needed that from him. Well, he he just it, well they needed it especially in this one with Dylan Walker playing in the house. I thought Walker was was really strong. He was, and he had a yeah. he had a he had a really good game, and his passing was really good, and his effort was really good. But he's not noted as a general play kicker, so they needed looked like a center again with that try though. Yeah, yeah. So they needed SJ to really take control, and and he did. I thought he was really good. I thought Chancellor Klukstad was was really good again. Marcelo Montoya is the most improved player in the what competition. The what the hell is going on oh, there? I, I, if if people are like new to rugby league or whatever, or maybe they didn't watch Bulldogs games, I'm not exaggerating. There was a, like there was a point where he was possibly the worst winger in the NRL, yep. actively playing in the NRL. Is that fair? Yeah, I think I think at a time it would have been fair. And now he'd be he, for tw- this season 2023, he'd be top five wingers so far this season. I think he's the most improved player he's in the competition. Been and like, fantastic. He's playing in the centres on the weekend, set up that try for Ed Cossey. So Wasn't good. much on, just got the ball and just like busted three oh, tackles, that was and set it up for Big Ed. Just it was great. It was great. People. It was just great stuff, you know. And given that they were without Wade Egan and they were without um, Tamari Martin and mm. a couple of other, I think there was a couple of guys missing in the forward pack as well. Nia Corey still out, you know, digging deep and and. Getting a performance like this so was, to me, really, really impressive. Even, again, if the cows were pretty poor. And I think that Mount Smart's going to be a real fortress for the Warriors this year because I think they had, they had over 20,000 there for the first time in about five or six years. And I think people are really getting behind the wires, man. I think people are really, really well, into we're it. Gonna, 
we're going to find out a lot about the Wires in the next month because yep. they play the Storm, the Roosters, the Panthers, the Bulldogs, the Broncos next five. Yep. Where's that's... McLean Park? Uh, I think it's somewhere in New Zealand. Okay, well, that's where they play the Broncos. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. I think it's um, in like Napier or something so like they've that. So but... they've got... They, they're never... They're always kind of... Well, not last year. They were disastrous. But they have had a couple of okay results in that in that game in Melbourne from memory. Well, um, they they haven't beaten Melbourne since 2015. Yeah, really? At all. I know that they've had yeah. some decent results in there, but no, so they, they must be a while those ago. decent results you're thinking of are all sort of a cluster between about uh, 2011 okay. and yeah. 2015. Well, well, I remember last year when we watched them concede 70. Yeah. So that yeah. So, great. like, I want to I want to believe the Warriors mm. are for real. I'm fighting the I'm fighting my SJ Tohu Harris instincts to not just be all in on them. But you're right. We're going to find a lot about it. We're going to find out about them in this next month. We're going to find out if they're for real. Yeah. We're going to find out if this is just another flash in the pan. But if they are for real mm. and they do win a couple of these games coming up, and then all of a sudden we go into Origin, where just about every team in the league gets weak. Warriors except throughout the Warriors, history have always. That's when they eat, man. That's improved. when. That's when they feast. Yeah, and I'm scrolling just through the draw for the rest of the season. Like they, after they get through that tough run, like. They don't play a lot of good teams the rest of the mm. year after that. They have a really good draw. Yeah, so, so what, like their, their, their future is going to be defined over this next three or four weeks. And I'm really, really excited to see what happens. You know what doesn't excite me? Mm. The North Queensland they Cowboys. They are smelly. Bro, they're, they're, they're really bad. Awful. They're really bad. What's going on? I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I, can't, I, I, I just, can't put my finger on it. Like, is it, as, is it as simple as there were guys who played really well last year who are playing badly is now? It, sometimes it is that simple. Because well, like their their team is basically the same team as it was last year, more or yeah. less. Yeah, I know they're they're still missing a couple of forwards, but like I thought, Talmalolo yeah. was just really poor in this game. Like he just didn't play with the, like the, the yeah with the verb or the inspiration that he usually their has. Their back seven is the same as it, well, well like their back seven is the same as it was last year, right? So like yeah, pretty much. And then it's you look at the and I know Jake Granville's starting. That's not great. There's, there's no Griffin Neem and and Ruben Cotter came off the bench, but it's like. Apart from that, it's like Jack Gusevsky starting instead of Helam Lukey. It's like that can't be. That yeah. can't be why you suck. What? Now. I don't know. They like. I, I I honestly don't know. The the only way they score points is through individuals making plays, like yep. with Scott Drinkwater. Yeah. That kick for Valentine Holmes or for Cotter hitting that hole off Chad Townsend. I act. I don't know. Chad Townsend's putting together a lot of tries this this year, but I don't know if the attack is sort of linking together the way that Todd Payton would have liked. Um. Because they had so much footy. They had so many chances to win this game. And the Warriors are a strong defensive team. And they played with a lot of effort and all that. I thought Chance Nickel-Cooks, that again, really drove the effort from fullback for Fighting. them. Miss him so much. But yeah, the Cowboys had more than enough opportunities I mean, they, to they, win this game. It was and one of those games where like, you look at the, the box score and they, they smoked them in all the stats apart from points. Like, they had more meters, more offloads, more line breaks. More kicks, more kick meters, more runs. Yeah. yeah. Apart from that first 40 minutes of the season against the Raiders... Yeah. What they they have looked like an absolute shell of themselves, you know, and they've had a pretty good draw through this first seven or eight weeks, and I don't know, man, things are things are looking really really grim up north. They need things to change, and they need things to change soon. And I, but that's the thing, I don't know what to point to and say this is what you got to fix. This is what you got to fix. You kind of got to fix everything. Everyone's just playing. Yeah, well, well below their capabilities. I think Todd Payton's got a pretty big job on his hands and up there. And they've already had. I mean, they've already had what. Uh, Three or four home games, right? Mm. So, yeah, they've already. I'm looking at it now. They've, they've already played up at at what is supposed to be the friendly confines four times. One of which was a loss to the Warriors. You know, one of which was a one point win over the Raiders, and one was a win over the Titans, and one was a pretty bad loss to the Dolphins last week. So, 
Yeah, they, they, they've got the Knights this Saturday. The, the, the Knights have been very frisky this year. And suddenly... Is that up at, is that at Cowboy yeah, Land or Knightville? Yeah, Cowboy Land. But then it's like... Gets it gets a little bit tougher after that. Yeah, man, it's looking tough. They, it's looking tough. They the, don't. Because you, I tell you, usually, I tell you, I tell you, that's a team that could use some saloon doors, man. Absolutely. Well, I mean, they're the ones that should have them. They should. Why don't they have saloon? You doors? You know, they should the, have saloon doors up at the stadium. Yeah. And then when drunks get kicked out, they give them the bums rush out there Fuck yeah. into the thoroughfare. Yeah. That'd be sick. I would go if they had that. I would go up to a Cowboys game. Yep. get too pissed and get kicked out specifically. You have to the get Boomer the rookies promise uh, stadium administrators in in Townsville. If you build saloon doors, we will come. That's the guarantee. Absolutely, but yeah, uh, a little bit worried about them. I mean, you're not. You picked them to miss the eight, so you're a genius. So I am a genius. Good job by you. I'm always wrong, except when I'm right. That's <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, uh, moving on to the. A, a bizarre game, a, a, a game loaded with controversy. Newcastle fifteen, Penrith sixteen. This game ruled. It was fantastic. So good. Um, the Knights can't help but feel like they'll they'll feel like they threw this one away, conceding a field goal straight after they took the lead, and then letting the Panthers rumble seventy meters up the field in the opening set of goal. I did enjoy the discourse. Obviously, it was only a few idiots, but it was like, oh, it's not fair that they didn't. Get to possess the ball. It's not oh, the, run that shit! It's not the, run that it's shit not the NFL, road, man. man. It's not yeah. the NFL. It's it's rugby league. How, you you up, should not be kicking off and letting a team. How can we be in the twentieth year of Golden Point and still have people saying, "Oh, it's not fair! It's not fair! They deserve something! They deserve something!" It's like no sports about winning and losing. It is, and it hurts when you lose, and it sucks. But part of the reason winning feels so good mm. is because when you lose, you get nothing. Correct. You know. And yeah, I. I oh, what's I wrong hate, with I a hate. draw? I'll tell you what's wrong with a draw. Everything. Everything. Draws Everything. Suck. You know what rules? Golden point, yeah. dude. And yeah, I, I can't I can't believe that that sort of flares up every single time we have a golden point game. Draws you know? suck, man. Draws suck. And both teams had both teams had chances to win this game in regulation, and and um, neither of them could close it out. You know, and then if the if and the Knights have a chance to win the game too, if they can just slow down the Panthers yeah. off that opening set. Whilst, you know? uh, while, yeah, while, whilst all of that is true, I, I, I think the Knights do have a right to feel aggrieved. I think that descent penalty was one of the worst calls I've ever seen in a rugby league game. Okay, so the descent penalty, you know, probably not the best, and there was the hair pull as well. But by that same token, mm. Nathan Cleary not getting that penalty when he kicked the field yes, goal. Yes, I when agree with that. Fitzgibbon gets him, in, gets him late and high. If that happens just anywhere else on the field yep. and the games and the result isn't riding on that penalty, yes. then it's a penalty every single time. So I, I, I can understand the Knights fans being pissed off. I also think Jackson was five metres offside on that Cleary. Yeah, I, I, can un, I, can un, I can understand the Knights fans being pissed off mm. about the descent one because it's a penalty we don't see often. Yeah. And I can understand being pissed off about the hair pull. The hair is more unfortunate than anything else. Yeah, but I thought this was a poorly refereed game both ways. And I I think I think control a fair bit. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a mistake for Knights fans to feel like they got Mm, ripped off in this one. The things you're mentioning, dude, happened at the end of a game where Nathan Cleary was setting field goals, which he wouldn't have been setting for had had the Knights had the Knights, you know, got. We're not on the bad end of those two calls. But so you, ca- you can't. You don't I, know that, dude. You can't extrapolate. I, off of well, that, I can mean, you? that's true. But I mean, you, the hair pulls an unfortunate. It's not a bad call. It is the right call to the letter of the law. Whether that should be the law is another discussion altogether. But the descent one, I thought, was absolutely atrocious. And at that point, the Knights have been dominating Penrith, and Penrith scored their only try. Their only their only try of the first half directly in the set after that descent penalty was given. Whereas you know. The, uh, up until that point, I thought the Knights have been playing really, really well. Yeah, they did. The Knights played uh, well all uh, night. Like, like. It, obviously, there's a million things that happen after that, but I think that the way 
like that call specifically in that situation and with how it just basically flipped the entire game on its head, I think is one of the worst calls I've ever seen. And I'm not usually a ref's fault guy, but I just think it's ridiculous that you can hear a player yelling clearly at himself or at his teammates and interpret that as dissent and give a penalty for it. I I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, The hair pull, what do you think about that? Because in in, in the NFL, a hair pull, your hair counts as your uniform. And we had some spirited discussions about this. And I don't think anyone's right or wrong. I think it is just a matter of opinion. But like, to me, right, Tyson Frizzell's trying to grab the back of his shirt and pull him down because Jerome Lewis got the better of him, right? He's mm. got, got around him. If that's Dylan Edwards or any other player with short hair, Frizzell makes that tackle and we move on. So Jerome Lewis basically gained an advantage in that situation because he has long hair. And I'm not sure that's how it should be. I understand, like, I'm not suggesting that we legalize sort of Sam Burgess on Billy Smith type hair pulls. But I think there's got to be some discretion in that situation where he's clearly not trying to grab the guy's hair. He's trying to grab his jersey. And had Jerome Luai not had those beautiful flowing locks, he would have grabbed the jersey. So I don't know. What do you think? I'm not going to penalise someone for having a full head of hair. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, feels like Mark. it's very discriminatory against Mark Nichols. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I understand that this was an unfortunate incident, right? And I don't think Tyson Frizzell went out there with the intention of yanking on Jerome yeah. Luai's hair, right? But I also th- like this is just a this is just a thing that happens in a game of footy. I'm sure the same thing will happen to Dom Young at some point over the course of this season, you know. And I think people, you know, getting like I think the Knights were actually the Knights. Um, I thought the Knights coach Adam O'Brien was actually quite churlish after the game. He said, "I'm going to tell all the boys to grow their hair long." It's like, mate, no, you're not. Come on, what are you talking about here? What are you doing here? Well, if you guys have long hair, like shit's going to happen. Shit's going to mm. go wrong, you know. It and just I- seems unfair. Well, it's man, it's just a, it's just a thing that happened. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to make Luai shave his head? No, I just think it shouldn't be a penalty. Well, he sh- should be able to pull his hair. But he wasn't trying to pull his hair. But he did pull his hair because his jer- he, the hair blocked the jersey. I think that's the point. I just think we're not going to agree on this. I don't think anyone's right or wrong. I just think it's interesting how that is interpreted in different sports. Because sure, yeah, but um, yeah, uh, I thought after gamble or bang that field goal, which was a great setup and a holy great hell, that goal. was a that was a. Great kick, and I thought he had a great game, Tyson Gamble. Didn't miss it. Um, they'll be filthy. Uh, reference aside, ignoring all that shit, they'll be filthy they didn't get the win at that point. Well, I feel like... So, I think... I, I think I said on the preview last week that, like, Penrith are the... the you know, they're the grindfathers, right? They love that set-to-set set battle. And I wasn't sure if the Knights were going to be able to sort of hang in that in that um, method of the game with them. But then, but I think the Knights came out with a really great attitude and 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 a real feeling of, you know we're going to stand up to these pricks and we're not going to let them knock us around and i think that's the only way that you can sort of get a handle on penrith and there are some really good teams in the past that have tried to do that same sort of thing and have not been able to get it done but the knights were able to do it they really really stuck it up i mean that first half and i was very very impressed i think at halftime penrith sort of regrouped and to me that whole second half it felt like they were coming down the hill and the knights showed really really great resolve to just keep hanging in there and keep finding finding the second effort and digging really deep and just hanging on hanging on hanging on but to me it did feel like they were hanging on mm. that whole second yeah. half you know and the gamble field goal great boot but to me that felt so out of the run of play like i feel like they were barely down penrith's end that entire second half, they were just on the ropes well, th- there the was entire that, like, time. There was that 10 to 12 minute period at the start of the second half, starting where when they dropped the opening kickoff, 
Where I honestly don't know if they completed a set. Yeah. They just kept dropping the fucking ball. I know, but then they just kept turning up in defense. Yeah. And and they were really, they stayed really aggressive in defense. Not just with their hitting, which was really good, but with um, the way that their outside backs were racing up and in, which is a high risk way to play. Mm. But they just kept making all the right decisions. When they hit someone, they would always stick. You know, and I was, I think this is one where the Knights might have lost, but I don't think they lose any admirers. Well, if you told someone, if all. you told a Knights member of this game, you're going to get outrun by 500 meters and you're going to yeah. complete at 68%, but you're going to lose by one. They'd be like, yeah. fuck. <laughs> they, showed, they, showed, they showed a whole lot of ticker in this one. Yeah. Um, I don't, like what they're doing, I don't know if they, can, I don't know if this is sustainable because they are digging so deep mm. with their effort every single week. But as long as Lockie Miller keeps playing the way he's going, you know, and as long as Hastings keeps running around the park, and I think they're getting Jacob Safidi back in a week or two off that long suspension. Still got their best player to come back. Daniel Safidi well. was really at strong point, in this hopefully. game. You know, like I'm, mm. I, I think all the signs are really good at Newey, even though they lost this game. And I guess it's maybe not maybe not comfort or whatever, but yeah. I, with those controversial decisions, if a couple of things go another way, then maybe they do win. I'm not saying that they got ripped off or anything like that because I think it's a mistake to pinpoint to one penalty in the first half as deciding the game or whatever. But, you know, these were controversial coin flip decisions. And, you know, if things go another way, maybe it could have gone another way. So that's the that's the biggest thing for me. The fact that they were able to hang with Penrith for 81 minutes. Mm. You know, that was something, to be honest with you, I didn't think they were capable no, of doing as well I. as they have played over these last couple of weeks. Yep. Just, you got out of jail there with your Coltrane pick. I really you? did, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Oof. All right. Um, final game on on Saturday night. Brisbane forty three, Gold Coast twenty six. Tanner Boyd, you jerk. We had a scoregami ready to go. Do you want to explain what scoregami is? Oh, okay. So it was a, a term coined in America. It's when a scoreline happens in the NFL for the first time, and now we've got that. Uh, we've started f- uh, sort of cover- uh, monitoring them in Australia as well. So forty three twenty four would have been a unique scoreline that's never happened before in the NRL. There was a forty three twenty six. Uh, our friend Brendan DeCosta told us about this one. It was West Tigers beating Penrith in two thousand seven. So um, has happened before. Forty three and Tanner Boyd of course slotted a conversion from the sideline after the siren to make yeah, it. Where the Titans scored off their own kickoff. This game was nuts, bro. Titans games are the most fun you can have on a Imagine Saturday night. Imagine supporting the Gold Coast Titans. They are. They're a team of lunatics. Bro. They are. They, it would just be awful going for this team. Oh man, the the highs, the lows. There's no creamy middles with these any. boys. No. Now I um I really enjoyed this game because I felt like in that first half, we talked about it last week. The fear that was that Brisbane wouldn't have learned from that match against Canberra, and they thought they were just going to come out and just blow the Titans off the park without really trying. But the Titans really, really stuck up for themselves. Mo Fotowaka, I thought, was magnificent in that first half, really going after, going after the Broncos and and going after Payne Haas and and all that sort of thing. And I there's something like so Mo Fotowaka, a a player of great renown, a player who's been through a lot on and off the field in his very short career. One of the stories I really like about him is he was never, when he was playing uh, footy at school, he never started for the for the team at Keeper Park, one of the great rugby league schools on the Gold Coast. Mm. Always came off the bench. Why did he come off the bench? Because there was two blokes in the starting team named David Feeder and Payne Haas. Pretty good players. You know? So I think every time he plays against his old mate Payne, he's like, all right, well, I got to I got to stick it up him. I got to show him how good I am. I got to show him how far I come. And I thought he did that in that first half. I thought it was the first time this year that the Broncos well and truly got knocked around. Oh, maybe apart from that Raiders game, but it was they got knocked around for one of the very few times this year. I loved the the sort of the courage that Jaden Campbell, the confidence that he was playing with on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Um, but that did go a little bit too far because puts that little kick in right on half time. If it gets over the line, if it gets like over the defensive line, I'm pretty sure they score. Yeah. Because Reese Walsh is defending in the line. 
But Walsh reaches up, bats it down. They score up the other end, and after that, that was very tight. It was wasn't it? no, but after that, it was just oh well. There was classic no, Bronx man. Yeah, um, just turned it on. They really put the foot on the throat in the the middle of that second half. Yeah, that I mean, that play must have just been so frustrating, heartbreaking, dude. Because they they worked so hard and done so well to sort of be, to be, you go be up for the fight. And, six. You're, well, you're the thing is, they good. shouldn't that for that Jordan Ricky try. They shouldn't have conceded that either. That was incredibly soft. Yeah, they they'd stopped that, and they only they only got it because Ricky kept driving his legs, and he made that second mm. second effort, and the Titans didn't. And that was what was keeping Brizzy in the game. But then in the second half, Brisbane's quality just rose to the fore. I thought Walsh was just magnificent. The way he attacked the game, yeah, the way he, he went awesome. after it, the way he the way he was willing to sort of put the result on his own shoulders. Um, and it was something that Mitch sort of mentioned on our Broncos preview early this year, how quickly Walsh had become a real leader for the Bronx. And I think that's really that was really apparent in this game. He was the one running around the park. He was the one telling guys where to be. He was the guy spraying people if they weren't giving him what he wanted. He gave... Katoni Staggs a real spray at one point because Staggs wasn't where he needed to be. And I think that's what the Broncos need. They're a team that are always going to have a big profile and it's always going to be very easy for guys there to get tickets on themselves. So they need someone to rev them up and they need someone who's going to say, no, boys, like this isn't good enough. This is what I want. And this is this. And I'm getting, and you're going to give it to me. I'm going to fucking give you, I'm going to give it to you. Mm. You know? So like Walsh has probably had more dazzling performances, but to me, this forty minutes was his most impressive of the season. I thought he was, I thought he was marvelous. Yeah, he was superb. It, it's it's weird. Like you you mentioned, Mofo there, him and Fafita, I think both played with a point to prove in the forward. I think Fafita was really good, but he'll get no credit at all because the Titans lost and so many people around him were terrible. But I think one of his better games of the year. Um, Brisbane really needed this after last week, um, and but it, it, I guess it's very heartening for them that they only played well for about. 25 minutes and that was enough I guess I guess I, th- I think they just they just did need to get back to what they know and get back to to what works I want to shout out a couple of guys real quick um Marty Marty Tapao was pretty solid off the bench but he had the had the wherewithal to throw the pass to Farnworth off the charge down yep, I want to give yep. him a quick rap because I think he's actually been low-key strong for Brizzy this year I think he's really bought into his role of sort of being a hype man on the bench, which is something that can be hard for people, for glue players guy. who... Yeah, it's hard for players who... Will, Teams uh, need glue guys. It, for guys who were as dominant as power used to be to accept that their role in the team has changed, that takes a lot of maturity, and I think he's done that really well. I think eagle-eyed Broncos fans would have noticed against in that game against the Dolphins a few weeks ago when Staggs latches on that ball and goes the length. Tapao's on the sidelines... Like with a towel out, whipping him home like he's got his last ten bucks on him. You know what I mean? And I think he's really bought into that, and he's really bought into the team spirit. So big ups to Marty. Um, and then I think it was pretty clear that Ezra Mam was carrying an injury through this game. He looked pretty busted. He wasn't moving well. But I'm really glad that Kevin Walters kept him out there. I think that's important for young players sometimes. I remember there was a game last year. The Raiders played somebody. I don't even remember who it was. And Xavier Savage sort of banged his shoulder, and he wanted to come off. And Ricky said, "No, young fella, you got to tough this out." Like. Part of learning how to play first grade is learning how to carry injuries that you wouldn't normally carry. And Ezra Mam's a really tough player. Everybody knows that. Like, the way he defends, he's a very tough-spirited guy. But I feel like this was an important thing for him, to to battle through that injury and still be a part of the game. And actually finish the game really strongly. I thought he finished the game a lot stronger than, than he started. And when you're carrying an injury, that's that's quite the rap on you, you know? So, good stuff. Brizzy's back. Back on top. No opening tirade this week, I don't think. I don't know. 
don't know. Hasn't sent one. Well, he hasn't sent one. So there you go. I did my best. I, I did think my. He said the I Titans did, don't deserve one. The Titans don't deserve. Well, there you go. I did my best for you, Brizzy fans. Yeah. I did you. I, I did my best. Um, I'm not exaggerating here. If after you were up by two tries with a minute left, if you had lost this game, would we be doing the podcast right now? When the Raiders play bad, I know that they're going to be the thing that kills me. Mm. But then when they win, I feel like I'm never going to die. When Jack White threw that intercept. I felt like I was going to die. And I texted die. you saying, the boys are home. <laughs> oh, God. I hadn't sent one of those to you this year, but as soon as he threw that oh, intercept, I was like, man. I have to. Yeah. He didn't reply, this to, was, um, to your credit. This was not a fun game for me. I had fun. Yeah, well, I'm, sure, I'm, glad, I'm glad someone did, because yeah, well. I did not. Um, McDallion points to Jack White and get this week six, <laughs> 15. All right, well, we'll get to White, because we're going to have to talk a lot about about that. There's a lot to unpack from from what he did out there. Um Canberra getting up. This uh, this was really important for them because this this changes the start of the season from very disappointing mm. to semi adequate. You yeah. know, and now they go into the bye and the draw gets a lot easier. And you know, and they should kind of hopefully really get the season get the season going. Uh, we've talked a lot about Seb Chris this year. He stayed at fullback in this one. Um, I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't have much of a feel for the position, but he's going so hard and trying so hard that that sort of that that effort and that energy that he's trying to provide is really helping cover up a lot of the gaps. I thought he was great in this one. Um, I know he had a, he dropped a couple of kicks as well, but like that's just going to happen. He's not a fullback, but the way he was carrying the ball, the way he was returning the ball, the way he combined with Fogarty to score that try out wide when Canberra's attack looked really poor all day and they weren't able to create much, that was really good stuff. He made mm. some really good tackles as well. Defended really strong. Um, I didn't know if Seb Chris. Had that dog in him, but after this six weeks at fullback, I know he does, and I want him to stay in the team when everybody's fit. I think someone like Nick Kotrick could learn a lot from someone like Seb Chris because I thought Nick could Kotrick, also learn the rules. Well, Nick Kotrick was really <laughs> was really poor in this one. One of the dumbest invincibility. Oh well, the thing is, he's, so you've got to make sure fullback right. So your wingers have got to work harder under the high ball. Yeah. So Kotrick sort of letting that kick bounce. And then tackling Jack Bird for no reason when Seb Chris had Chris it had covered. The ball covered easily. It was just moronic stuff Idiot. and. Kotrick is a player who, like, obviously I love. Like, I used to have, I had a running gag for years that I called him my large adult son, mm. right? But he's kind of getting to a point where I don't know if he's in Canberra's best 17 anymore. I really because don't. Because Croker played really well again. Well, Cro- Croker Croker did well again. Um, I didn't think Albert Hoppawati had his best game, but here's, here's a stat for you, right? Albert Hoppawati, I don't think he played well, mm. but he ran the ball 18 times for 156 metres, okay. right? Nick Kotrick has run the ball 18 times in a match once oh. in his entire career, and that was in, when he was playing fullback, oh. you know? In this game, Jared Croker had three less runs than Nick Kotrick, but had eight more metres. And Jared Croker, not a yardage guy. Kotrick just doesn't get involved in games. He just watches them pass him by, you know? And I think he needs, I think he needs a kick up the arse. I think he needs some time in Reggie's. I think if you're doing Canberra's best back line, I don't think he's there. You know who is there? Matt Samoko. Yeah, he's Matt great. Matt Now that's now so that's you a think dude. It could that's be, powerhouse. You that's think killer. it could be Chris and Rapana on the wings and Croker and Tomoko in the centre? Yes, that's what I want. Yeah. That's what I want. How did um, Savage go in reserve grade? I, I read the Durr scored saying that he scored a nice try. He scored a try on the wing, played the second half at fullback. Just, you know, it's Savage, dude. Sometimes he's off with the fairies. Do you think that's... Um, do you think... That was always the plan, and he'll be back in the number one jersey after the bye. I think so. I think so. Like you got to remember, he'd only played like twenty minutes of that first trial before he got his face yeah. busted. So he's only played that twenty minutes in the last six months, yeah. or whatever. Um, Hudson Young just does weird shit, yeah. and I love it. I love it, man. 
a one-eyed man stealing the ball and running the length of the field. I tell you, if you if you if you get a Raiders player who's capable of the unorthodox and you blind him in one eye, all you're doing is creating a monster. Yep. He played with the the spirit of uh, Joey One Eye in this one. Steeden stealing machine. Just fantastic. Um, and I think. That was the stuff that really helped Canberra get out of jail because I thought... This was a bit of old Raiders. The, the, the steals were about... Like, Corey Heron, I think his first touch was a one-on-one yeah. steal. Like that, yeah. yeah, but I think the individual efforts of guys like uh, Timoko and Kotrick mm. and Chris and Hopawati and Young, that got him out of jail because Jack Whiten played one of the poorest games I've ever seen him play and he's had some shockers over the years. Yeah. You're up by two tries with... 90 seconds left. Yep. Just get tackled. Yep. You don't do anything else. But it's not, mate. It's not even... It's not just that. It's um, not, but that is just such a... like si- The lack of situational awareness yeah. in that moment is just... For a staggering. player who's been around for 10 years and for a player who wants a lot of money to play in the halves, mm. that is just not good enough. And mm. So he's, he's had bad games in the past, right? We all remember the, the, the sort of stinkers that he's thrown up at times. That's just a part of the Jack White experience. Sometimes... He plays like a Daly M winner. Sometimes he really, really doesn't. And it's just that's just part of that's just part of the way it goes. If you sign Jack Whiten, that's just what you're signing up for, right? But I felt this one was a little bit different in that in the bad games he's had in the past, he's often made an early error and then compounded it because he keeps trying hard to make up for it. Yeah. This one I've just felt like he was never in the game. I felt like he was a little bit disinterested. And for a guy who is on the market like like he is. I don't know. I, I think I think he, he played like he was distracted. He didn't play like he was focused. He just wasn't in the game. He just wasn't doing anything. There was in the in the first half when the Raiders had four sets on the Dragons line, Hudson Young and Joseph Tarpanay were touching the ball at first receiver more than Jack Whiten was. I think there was two full sets in a row where he didn't touch the ball. It's like, mate, you're the best player on this team. You're the most accomplished attacking player on this team. You are the leader in the spine. You are the playmaker, man. You are the $1.1 million person. You've got to touch the ball. I don't care if it doesn't work. You've got to get your hands on the goddamn ball, bro. And then in the second half, they attacked much better. Why? Because Jamal Fogarty was in was in charge. Fogarty was running the team around the park, and he was the one finding really the touches. Last month or so. And he was the one kicking the ball. I think this team's better when Fogarty takes more control and stuff runs through him. What does that say about the guy who wants a million dollars a season? You know. And then even even the areas where he's usually great, like with his contact in defence. Normally, even if everything else is going wrong, that's going right. But even then, he was racing up, missing blokes. When he was hitting blokes, he was falling off in the tackles. I thought he was really, really poor. And I think what's important to remember is that Jack Whiten has been in a remarkably low-pressure environment down in Canberra for most of his career, yep. right? He he is out of sight, out of mind there for a lot of people. He doesn't get the glare of the Sydney media a lot of the time, and he's been able to get away with, with bad games or games where he should have been better or games where he didn't sort of live up to his own ability or his own reputation. For the first time in his career, there is serious pressure on him now because now everybody's watching every single Jack Whiten game with a view to, well, what's he going to do? Where's he going to go? Is he worth the money? What's going to happen? He has created that pressure environment for himself. And I don't know I don't know how he's going to react well, to it. Are we like going to get more like help. this? Are we going to get more like this? He's been great at the past in shrugging off bad games. He has a really good philosophy about it. He says, all you can do is get back on the horse. And that's right. That is all you can do. But when you're in the shop window the way he is... And when you've changed everything, when you have yeah. you have you can't opted afford out, to fall off the horse. To exactly, you have opted out of your contract. You got to stay on the horse, homie. Mm. You got to stay on the horse. Well, those offers will dry up, and you won't get what you want. The ball's in his court. It's all on his shoulders now, right? So I don't know what we're going to get. But right. that was 
extremely disappointing. Yeah, extremely well, they've disappointing. They've got a bye and then they play... Where's McDonald's Park? Wagga. Okay, and they got the Dolphins in Wagga and then and then Magic Round. So. Yeah. So two winnable games. Yeah. Two winnable games and they're going to need the best of him. Absolutely. Um, on the Dragons side, um, they didn't deserve to win this. No, I mean, I think they blew it. I mean, they, they I think did they, blow I think, it. I think, they, I think they really, really blew it. The, I agree that they blew it. I don't think they deserve to win it. But nah, they it were handed, to do with it. handed a chance to win it by that Whiten play and then whatever happened afterwards. I think um, on that lot, lot, lot you, uh, we all, everyone loves Ben Hunt, but... He had a shocker in this one. Crash right, ball, we can say it. Crash ball to Josh Kerr on the last play of the game with, with <laughs> when, when a trial tie the game. Not it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we, we love Hunter. We're a pro-Hunter podcast. Mm. But you got to call it like you said. He was pretty bad in this one. I thought. I thought Tyrell Sloan had maybe his best game in first grade. I loved how he was able to attack down the edges, down the fringes of the ruck off of shape. I thought that was really impressive. But to me, like the Raiders won this almost in spite of themselves, and a big reason they were able to do it was the Dragons' lack of attention to detail, and that was even there before kickoff mm. with um, the Jacob Little Moses and Buy stuff. So if you missed this, the Dragons. Uh, changed their lineup after they'd submitted their final 17 to the NRL. So it means they cost themselves an interchange before a ball had even been kicked. It was oh. with Moses and uh, Bayern and Jacob Little. And to me, that that is kind of emblematic of the lack of attention to detail that was that was across this Dragon side. They scored as many tries as the Raiders. That's but Zach Lomax, who was a good kicker once upon a time, was spraying them all over the place. You know what I mean? And... They had a lot of they had a lot of chances to win this game against a Raiders team that were pretty out of sorts, and they just couldn't put in punishment. They couldn't uh, sting yeah. them. You I know? saw it was a pretty low quality game in overall, to be honest. Yeah, no, it was, it was. But what I'm saying is, is the Dragons had more than enough chances to win this game, and they couldn't close it out. I, I thought, and to me, to me, they're playing like a team that want to change. They're yeah. playing like a team that that need a fresh well, approach. Well, it's interesting that we talked about Ben Hunt's comments defending Anthony Griffin last week, and then he comes out and has probably his worst game of the season. Yeah, so weird. So, I think oh yeah, I think the drums are beating for yeah. for Griffin. Nice I think things see, I think things are about to change. Nice there to see Rabbitohs legend Tao Tao Moga out there. I'm all, I year. always really like seeing Tao Tao Moga. He's a guy, Moga. right? He's a guy that like every time you see him play, you're like, oh, this guy's pretty good. And he just never, for whatever reason, since he left Newcastle, like since the Knights days, hasn't really got an extended run in the first grade. Well, team. that's because his knees kept exploding. Well, yeah, but I mean, even then, like he played. You know, he's been a, for, you know he's been in first grade for 12 years. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, dude. He, he just played reserve grade for South two years ago. And last year, he played a few games for the Dragons, but it wasn't yeah. through injuries that he wasn't playing. Always going to be happy to see Tao Tao Moga do well, because mm. like, he's going to pop up on Guys Being Dudes one day. He's still selling Moga Island t-shirt? <laughs> wow, isn't that a throwback? <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep cut for the, for the true <laughs> believers. All right, last game of the round. Um, Parramatta 30, Bulldogs 4. We're running out of time. But uh, thankfully, there's not really a whole lot to analyse about this one, apart from the fact that the Bulldogs might have might be under some sort of witch's curse when it comes to injuries. Maybe they had a deal with the devil and they didn't live up to their end of the bargain. Perhaps because I don't, I don't, I don't even know how much you can really make a Canterbury at this point because just, just like so there are just so many out. blokes getting injured. Like Kiraz went down and not early. even like bit part players. Like no, good, yeah, really good, really like Kiraz went down early. Avarulo was on one leg for for most of the Perham game. Perham struggling as well. I Perham think. was battling. That was with that's to say nothing of the guys they lost during the week as well. Like. Parra did fine, I thought. I thought Regan Campbell-Gillard was really strong in the middle of the field. thought Moses was good again. I liked what they were doing that down that right-hand side in the first half. Uh, I think it was pretty clear that they came into this game with a view to getting under Reid Marnie's skin, and I think they did that really, really well. But, yeah, it's difficult to take too much away from this one at all, I thought, because Canterbury are just like... Um. They're just shambling, shambling towards uh, the shambling towards the finish line at the minute. Was Josh Hodgson dropped or injured? They reckon he had the flu. Okay. I don't think he was dropped. 
Brendan, two hands. Two hands was good. Taking that opportunity. Two hands was good in the middle of the field. Hands. Yeah. Hey, there right you there. go. I'm sure someone said that on the broadcast. You'd hope so. Mm. Yeah, they were fine. Like, whatever. We, I mean, we said on the preview that we wanted the Eels to blow the doors off the Bulldogs with the players they had out, and they uh, did so. Mm. They had saloon doors, though. They wouldn't blow off. they just flat back and forth. Really makes you think. It really does. All right. Um, let's quickly talk about Thursday night's game. How are you feeling about it? Oh, we're going to lose. <laughs> There's your preview. Um, There's... So I'm watching Knights Penrith, right? And the whole time when Penrith are making 43 knock-ons and bombing tries and, and clearly shanking field goals and all these things, I'm just thinking, these pricks are going to complete at 93% on Thursday night <laughs> and run for 2,000 metres and it's going to suck. And it is going to suck. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? If Souths had Keon Kolomotangi, yeah, I would, I would give them every chance. But... Mm. Him dropping out, it just continues what we've seen this year. Like, Souths just haven't been able to get their best forward pack all together on the field at once. It's, it's honestly One crazy. One guy comes back, another guy drops yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Arrow just... comes back, Totola doesn't play. Now Totola might not be as injured as they thought, so he might play this week. And now Keon's out. I did enjoy the classic. I think it was in the Telegraph. The Keon Komatongi suffered syndesmosis. Because they still don't know it's a body part. They think it's ah. a disease. <laughs> it's great. I caught syndesmosis. It's quite contagious. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. You, yeah. you want to try and avoid catching syndesmosis <laughs> if you can. It's, it's so funny when you you decide to be like, no, it would be like saying, Kolomatangi sustained foot. <laughs> like, yeah. I hate it when I sustain foot. Nah, you, That's you, the worst. You don't want to sustain foot. You don't foot. want to sustain foot. But yeah, look, um, I weirdly do feel slightly better about this game because the Panthers won against Newcastle because they just don't lose two games in a row and they would have come out... With a vengeance, but with a point to prove, yeah, they've got no Liam. Yes, yes, with a point to prove, they've got no Liam Martin, who apparently, if you believe rep selectors, is better than Keon Colomatungi. So perhaps we're coming out ahead. Perhaps hard to say. Who's to say? Not me. Um, yeah, I think that this game will go like every other game against these pricks goes. <laughs> we'll be down ten nil midway through the second half, and then we'll score a try to be down ten six, and then we'll lose. 14-6. Well, well, Penrith just have been such a st- tough stylistic matchup for Souths for a good few years now. The only you know, line is it's April 20th and I don't have to worry about playing these pricks again until, until the prelim week. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. The thing at the end of the year where you play in the finals <laughs> and then we play the bad team and they beat us every time. Um, for Penrith, I really want to see um, Jerome Luai. I think he's he should go rest. I think he should rest his luscious locks. <laughs> I think he shouldn't play. No, because like we're getting to the point of the year where origin selection is now becoming like a something mm. that hangs over just about every single match and every single week of the season. And I think... Right now, if the team was picked tomorrow, I think Nico Hines would get that jersey ahead of Luai. So I think if Luai wants to retain that spot, he's really got a couple of step things up over the- Maybe what they do is they tie their hair to each other and they have a tug of war, and whoever, whoever oh, wins, wow. it's the new train off. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Who are you backing? It's like Go- it's like Goanna wrestling, but with a yeah. twist. Yeah, um, Luai's hair looks thicker. Luai's hair does look thicker. Um, how does how does Nico Hines' perpetual hair wetness mm, factor into this one? Because he he is rugby league's wettest boy. He is a damp lad. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think Luai shades. I think he's got the the, the thickness. Can't mm. be can't be overstated. Be down with the thickness. But you you are you are right though. Like how do the, what 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 are they going to tether Nico Hines' hair to in the first place that won't just slide off? Mm. I don't know. Let's get our best scientists on it right now. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Stop trying to cure cancer <laughs> and get on this right now, nerds. Sort it out. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. 
Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi run run Okay, bit of news before we get out of here. Just a little bit. Just, yeah, just, 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 just a taste. Cool. Um, the Sharks have signed Amazon Nagato for their women's team. Huge Fantastic signing. Fantastic signing. Huge signing. Huge signing. One of the best players um, in women's rugby league. One of the most recognisable players as well. Big I think name as well. It's well, that's the thing. It's not just a great signing from a football standpoint. She's someone that you can build your entire program around. Um, I think they've got a lot more signings coming in the next couple of weeks. I think there's a lot of girls who have left the Dragons. We're probably going to end up there. Quincy Dodd was, in, was um, announced as a signing as well. Really quality dummy half. So the Sharks took a bit of time to get going, but I think we're going to get a real rush of signings for them in the next couple of weeks, which is really good. Yeah. A um, little Dallium update. Uh, the, the Broncos still running away with it. Reese Walsh, Payne Haas. Duking it out. Yeah. Jacob Carraz sadly going to tumble down the, <laughs> tumble down the We still board. love you, Big Wahash. <laughs> we do. We stand the Big Wahash. Yeah, I, yeah I think... I think um, I think Haas and Walsh are going to be toing and froing at the top of that leaderboard for the rest of the season. But I do like... Oh, breaking news just now from uh, Michael Chamis. Um, Blues bombshell. Jack Whiten phoned New Zealand's Blues coach Brad Fittler to inform him of his retirement from rep football. Yeah, well, this was a story There's that sort of came out. This. this was a story yeah. that came out on Saturday that Whiten was considering retiring from... From Rep Footy, um, it's very out of the blue. He's only he's he's thirty, so he's not young, but he's not old either. I wonder if this is a bit like a Jamie Lyons situation where he just doesn't want to do it anymore. Um, maybe he had a tough time of things on the Kangaroo Tour last year away from his family. He does have a young family. I think it's three kids under five or something like that. But um, yeah, the 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 strangeness around what Jack Whiten's doing continues. Yeah, it's um. Do you think he would have been picked this year? I think yeah, Freddie, uh, Freddie loves him. Well, Freddie Freddie loves him, and they love him in that setup. Um, and I think he is pretty well suited to that that fourteen role. But um, yeah, what a what a strange couple of weeks Jack Whiten's having. I want. I wonder. I wonder once when someone speaks to him again. I wonder what the reasons behind this will be because it's a lot to give up. It's a lot. Those Test and Origin jerseys are a lot to give up. Yeah, but um, I mean, I guess is he sort of. Maybe it goes back to your earlier point about how he's created a very well not he's created, but he's been benef- the beneficiary of a very comfortable environment for his whole career. So mm. maybe with him being so mindful of the fact that he's basically playing for his next deal at the moment, he wants less scrutiny. Maybe that's a part. I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't think he's thinking about it that hard. I'm just trying to find a reason as to why he'd do this. But yeah, it's a strange I think he'd one. Walk into the team, so mm. maybe not walk in, but I think he'd be picked. I think well, he'd, he'd, he'd be in and around. Like even if he was playing badly. He's still a chance of getting picked. That's how sort of enmeshed he is into the into that setup. But uh, yeah, there you go. Well, we haven't had a premature rep footy retirement in a very long time. Yeah, I think Jamie Lyon might be Jamie the, might be the last a, one. That was wild when that happened, man. People were so mad. Yeah, I didn't, didn't really like get it. it. But I've never been an Origin guy, so yeah. Um, there's not much other news. Although I did enjoy this headline: humble Tyson Gamble willing to make way for Kalen Ponga. <laughs> Oh, Tyson, I don't want Tyson Gamble humble. I want him hepped up and flexing over the most minor of victories. I like I, that when I was writing first. A, I was writing a story about Tavita Pangai Blake Jr. Tuff the other says day. says he'll give fullback jersey back to returning with I was Trell writing Mitchell. a story about Tavita Pangai Jr. the other day, and I dialed up some old an old Broncos-Titans game because Pangai was in it, and I just wanted to check something out that he did. And I'd forgotten at the time Tyson Gamble... Had a run, earned a quick play the ball, and like screamed and flexed at the bloke after the, after the thing, and He's the great. bloke pushed him. 
Broncos got a penalty and Gamble screamed at him again. That guy celebrates his victories, large and small. If you don't celebrate yourself, who will? Let's start that's celebrating. A, that's, a, that's a gamble that we can all get behind. Absolutely. Let's start celebrating really minor, like when you work out what you want to order at a cafe. Bro, when I when I file a story that I like or I write a good headline, I start doing the Nathan Cleary Iceman thing. Yeah. Ice in my veins. <laughs> I'm going to start doing the silencer every time I hit send on a on a story. When I nice. File. Just, just show, showing those doubters how it's done. Exactly. All right. Um, we're going to get out of here. But before we do, a quick shout out to people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service uh, if you'd like to support us it's patreon.com forward slash rookies. you get access to our discord server um an extra podcast every week um and you can come to our magic round meetup we now have a venue nick very exciting stuff that but if you want to know where that venue is yeah, you gotta when yeah. you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta join the family bro yep join us and thank you to chris avnell dave rocky and rafi stew Talakai Tamed Manu, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsburgh Scoresborough, Jace Felix Farmworth, Jason, Jez, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kick Souths Out of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Luke Ferguson, Maddie Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, My Team's Bench is Your Team's Marquee, My Ding Ding Dong is Hard and I Am Sad, Never Trendy, Pat McManus, Raystone Gossad, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, was West Slice Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to everyone in lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. You tripped up over Doc Hogg there. I burped. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> That's the power of the hog. Yeah. What, I, what, what, would, what would the good Dr. Hogg prescribe for such indigestion well, problems? Tell me to stop eating. Well, for, as you know, for breakfast, I just eat plain oats with water because I'm a healthy boy. <laughs> I know. Jesus, depressing. Yeah, I it came is. over here last week to record and he was finishing up his breakfast. It's oats and water. I was like, it's like mustard. That's what they serve in like Victorian orphanages. Yep. This is what Oliver Twist wanted more yes, of. What's is. going on here, Well, bro? he wanted more of it, so obviously it was good. <laughs> I never understood that. Why would you want more of that shit? Oh, anyway. bro, when you're hungry, you're hungry. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I, but I, I usually just shovel it down, so. Yeah, I bet you do. But yeah, all those patrons, we love your work. You're all the Best people I know. Rocky and Rafi, please message us about who you want to pick for what about this guy this week. Yeah. Time is of the essence on this one. It is ticking away. All right. We'll be back uh, on Wednesday if you're a patron and on Friday with the preview show if you are not. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from me.